Well, greetings and welcome to the April edition of Winning at Home's Home Run Club. I want to just thank you for your faithful support. We have a lot going on at Winning at Home. Let me share a couple of those things with you. We are in the process very soon of renovating a office suite that is next to our current office suite in Zealand. We'll be just about doubling our size in terms of counseling and coaching space, and we're thrilled about this opportunity the Lord has given us to increase the ability to meet the demands of those in our community. As you know, uh, post-COVID, we're in a little bit of a mental health crisis. We are receiving lots and lots of calls for the ages 5 through 20, and we're seeking to try to meet those needs, but we need more space, and so we would appreciate your prayers as we do the renovation. It's a pretty lofty project, but we are moving forward and continuing to pray the Lord will guide us through it. We also are looking at launching a Winning at Home network around the nation. We have lots of people who will call, and when I travel and speak, will say, can I be connected to Winning at Home? Can I be a counselor who is associated with the way you do things there? Can I be an organization connected to you? So we're trying to seek and pray to the Lord on what that looks like. We're putting some paperwork together. We're putting some thoughts together and adding lots of prayer and praying for God to guide us in this area. So we would appreciate your continued support financially as we undertake these projects, your support prayerfully as we undertake these projects, and we just pray that God will continue to use us to make a mark for Him. Our goal is to bring clarity to the chaos. That's been our theme this year because I'm telling you, I've never seen the world as chaotic as it is in just the mental state it's in. And social media allows that to be perpetuated even faster. And so our prayer is the Lord will help us bring his name. That's what we're about. Bringing his name boldly to those we have the opportunity to meet. Let me also let you know we're doing a mother and son barn bash. Now, we've always done the father-daughter ball. So we're going to do an event this year on May the 5th that allows moms to bring their sons and be a part of an event together. So if you want more info about that, simply go to our website, look at Barn Bash, and you'll get all the info right there. But something cool you might want to connect with. So let me just tell you today, you're going to be listening to Phil Lewis. He directs our Winning at Home offices in Tampa Bay. Phil is going to be sharing with you today a personal testimony, what God's done in his life. He and I had the opportunity to do back-to-back revival services down in Tennessee, and this was him on Monday night sharing the message God put on his heart. And I'm looking forward to you hearing it. I believe it will be an encouragement to you, and you'll get a taste for our Winning at Home Tampa office and the leader and director there. Again, his name is Phil Lewis. He's part of our team, and I'm thrilled for you to listen to him now. So when we're thinking about revival, let's, let's kind of get this in our minds as we take this night and, and we look to see what God has to say to us, specifically, not just to me, not just, but, but to each and every one of you on a personal level. I'm really excited about being able to share because the truth is, most of the time, I don't get to share about God's part. I talk about our part. Now, kind of like good epoxy, right, where there's two parts to make the formula of success. I believe that's the way it is in our Christian lives. I believe that God does a part that we can't do, but I believe that God calls us to do a part that he won't do. For those of you who are, who are men in this auditorium, God has called you to be a father. God has called you to be a man. God has called you to be a husband. He, he's not going to do that. That's your job. But God is going to empower you. He's going to help you. So, so maybe, maybe based on kind of that idea, even though I'm talking about God's part tonight, kind of the revival message, if you will, I just want to give a little advice because I just can't help myself because I'm so used to speaking about our part. So let me just say a couple things. Husbands or men, lead and love your families. 
I love the men at Pathways. The first opportunity that I had to speak here was at the men's retreat. And I really got to know several of you guys, and I'm so impressed with the men and how they lead and how they love. And I just want to encourage you tonight, don't quit. Don't give up. I know it's hard. I know it is. But keep doing it. Keep doing it. For, for the students that are here tonight, for the teens, I just want to say to you, find God and be you. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's what I mean by that. Find God and be you. Don't serve anybody else and don't be anybody else. God has created you. He loves you. And, and, and think about this. God is all you need and you are all he wants. You don't have to change. You don't have to be different. He loves you just the way you are. And I'm so glad you guys are here tonight. It's an honor to really be a part of this service where so many of you are in attendance. And I hope that you're going to get something out of this. I hope that you're going to be encouraged. And I hope that you do find God. And I hope that you do simply be you. And then finally, women, women. Oh. <laughs> oh, women. Why? Why? Why are you such amazing people? I'm no dummy. All right, so here's, here's what I want us to talk about tonight. I, I want to start into the message by just kind of telling you a couple things that I learned when I was 16 years old. Some things that I think are really, really important, some things that I learned, and hopefully they'll have an impact in your lives, at least maybe the third one. The first one for me is I learned that if you skip school and you get a speeding ticket on the very first day you have your driver's license, it will be about a month before you drive again. Okay. <laughs> Personal story, true story, first day I had my driver's license, made it worse that I was speeding in the school zone outside of my high school that is all glass windows. You get the story. You get the story. Second thing, when I was 16, I learned that a 1965 Mustang convertible makes a great vehicle to transport and throw snowballs from. Now, my dad uh, had this policy. There were four of us kids, and his policy was that he would buy our first car, and we would pay for the gas, we would pay for the, the maintenance, and we would pay for the insurance. And I, being the baby of the family, the most amazing child that he ever had, he decided that he would get me a really, really nice car. And it was. It was a completely refurbished 19, actually 64, if you know anything about Mustang, 1964 and a half, red convertible Mustang, four-speed, 289, high-performance engine, thrush, glass packs. It was beautiful. Something a 16-year-old probably shouldn't be driving. <laughs> I don't know what my dad was thinking, but I, I was glad. Anyway, the point is, the point is this Mustang, I, I grew up in Indiana. I didn't live in Florida my whole life. I grew up in Indiana, and in the summertime, I would love to put the top down, and I would drive around and have a good time. But in the wintertime, I kind of missed the convertible experience, but it was cold. Still put the top down, turn the heat up, and my friend Merrill and I, we would drive around the city, and we would pull over to a snowbank, and we would make a bunch of snowballs, and we would fill the back seat of our car with snowballs. And then we'd drive down the street and throw them at houses and cars and everybody. That was, it was a great time when I was 16 years old. There's something else that I learned when I was 16 years old. I learned, I learned that there's a huge difference between church and Christ. Church and Christ. In fact, there's a really, really, really big difference, a, life, a life-changing difference between church and Christ. I grew up in church my whole life. I was a PK. I was a preacher's kid. And I knew, I, I knew church 
I knew everything about it. I, I knew the schedule. The schedule was Sunday school at 9.30 on Sunday morning. Then it was 10.30 for big church. Then it was Sunday night. Brent was talking last night about who in their right mind created a 6 p.m. service on Sunday night. Probably a board. Was never a pastor. A pastor would never do that, right? Wednesday night at 7 p.m., revival. And I could go on and on and on. I knew the schedule. There was VBS. There was CYC. There was all kinds of things that were in the church. I knew the church schedule. I knew it. I, I even knew the scripture. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would never perish, but have everlasting life. John 10, 10. The, son has come, or the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but the son has come to give us life and give us life to its you guys know it too. And then my favorite scripture, Song of Solomon. I'm just trying to see if you guys were awake. Just want to make sure you're, you're awake. You might want, to, might want to read that later. Okay, anyway. Um, and, then, and then the songs, right? There, there, there's a schedule, there's a scripture, there's songs. You know this one? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Woo, a few of you got the Bible part. Okay, so the next, what about Jesus? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Come on. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Oh, you guys are good. And then you can't forget this one, right? Just sit right back in here at it. Did you guys, you didn't sing that at your church? Well, that's too bad. That's a great, that's a great Sunday school song. Anyway, uh, you get the uh, scripture, the schedule, the songs. I, I, I knew all of that. There was only one problem with that. I, 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 I Let's look at a couple more songs before we move on. Can we do that? <laughs> Give me oil in my lamp. I'm in the Lord's army. Only a boy named David, deep and wide. He's got the whole world. Do, Lord. Oh, be careful, little eyes. Okay. This little light of mine. Father Abraham, what is that song? <laughs> Father Abraham, rise and shine. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, yeah, good. I got the joy, 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 Zacchaeus, and then I am a C. Oh, you know, don't split. No, that's enough. But here, here's, the, here's, here's the problem. Here's what I found out when I was 16. I found out that I knew about the schedule and I knew about scripture and I knew about the songs. But I didn't know the Savior. And, th- and this is where I began to understand that there was a really, really big difference between the church and Christ. So on August the 12th, two days before my 17th birthday, even though I had grown up in the church, even though my dad was a pastor, even though I knew all the answers to all the Bible questions, I knew the Bible stories, I didn't want anything to do with God because I had missed it. I, I had made the mistake of thinking that church was Christ and church wasn't impressing me. The people there had let me down. I didn't find any fulfillment in it because I hadn't found Christ. So two days before my 17th birthday, I I took a ride in that convertible Mustang out to a youth conference about 10 miles from where I grew up. And I remember getting out of the car. I don't think I was ready to take my life, but I definitely didn't want to live my life the way it was. And I said to God, I said, God, I, I, I don't understand this. It, 
If you're, if you're really who you say you are, I'm, I'm going to go into this rally tonight, and, and if you change my life, it's yours, whatever you want me to do. But if I go to this church, if I go to this service, and nothing happens to me, we're done. And again, I don't know exactly what that meant. I, it wasn't that I didn't want to live, I just didn't want to live this way. I remember going in, I, I don't remember exactly what was said, I don't even remember what was sung, but I do know at the very end of the service, they had a stand, and I'm, I'm hanging on to the back of, they had these big, long, red benches, and I'm hanging on to this bench. And the person is saying, if you're here tonight, and, and, you, and you don't know God, and, and, and you need him, you're lost, and that was me. And I remember, I, I felt something that I hadn't felt in my entire life wash over me and I was shaking so hard that I literally was bouncing, bouncing the bench in front of me. And I finally let go and I went forward and I gave my life to God and that's the night that I realized I was missing. I was missing something so important. I didn't know the difference between church and Christ. I didn't realize that a relationship with Christ would drastically change it all. Even though I knew so much about church, it hadn't changed my life. Now, what's interesting is Paul is writing to the church in Corinthians. And if you have your Bibles, turn in them or turn on them. And I want us to look at a passage of scripture tonight in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And it must, have been, it must have been true that I wasn't the only person, I haven't been the only person that's ever got confused about church and Christ because Paul is talking to Christians. He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers And here's what he says. Here's what he says. He's basically letting them know, you know what? Church is not enough. It's good, but it's not enough because Christ is enough. And and he wanted to make sure that they understood this. And so he goes on, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Would you just pray with me real quick? Father, help us. Amen. All right. Did, 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 you, did you need more than that? That's, that's basically, basically the best prayer I can come up with. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Therefore, if anyone, everybody say anyone. If anyone is in Christ, okay, so listen to me. Anyone, that, 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 that's, that's everyone, right? It, it, isn't, it isn't just a few of us. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world and, and everybody, everybody in it. It's not for certain ones, it's not for special ones, but it's for it's for everyone's. And I've heard, I've heard the excuses before. Well, well, Phil, you, you, you don't know, but, but you don't know my story. You, you, but, but you don't know my past. But, but, but you don't know my problems. And I don't care how big your butt is. <laughs> it... it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the Bible says, therefore, if, if anyone, and no matter what your excuse, no matter what your past are, the good news for you tonight and the good news for me tonight, even growing up in a pastor's home, 
is that he loved me. He loved me. And here's what I like. I like the fact that the Bible is full of broken people. Whenever people say to me, well, I can never be a Christian. How come? Well, I read the Bible and everybody in there is perfect. And I say, well, first of all, you're a liar. Because if you would have read the Bible, you would see that no one is in there is perfect at all except for Jesus. That's it. That's it. It's full of broken, imperfect, messed up people with big butts. Okay? It just is. And that's the beauty of the Bible. It's for anyone. Christ is for anyone. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, remember this song? Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Everybody, everybody, if anyone. Therefore, if anyone is in church, they are a new creation. No, it's not. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Church is important. We've got to have church. Pathways proves that church is such an important piece of the story, but it's not all the story. It's not all the story. Church and Christ both have six letters. They both start with C and H, but they are really, really different. And this is what Paul is trying to tell the Christians. Guys, you, you, you got to have Christ. You got to be in the church and you got to be in Christ. The Bible tells us about a hundred times in the New Testament, it re- refers to the church. And some of those references have to do with the church universal. Some of those churches have to do with local community, the church in Corinth, the church in Ephesus. It reflects the church. So the church has an important role to play in our lives, right? And, and it helps us to move from belonging to believing. We want people to come in to pathways. We want people to come in to other churches and feel like they can belong, that they can have community, that they can have friends. But that's not, that's not the end. We, we want them to move from, from community with people to community and communing with God, belonging to believing. That's, that's the movement. And I think there are a lot of us that call ourselves Christians when, in fact, there might be some of us who are really churchians. That's who we are. We love church. We believe in church. We support pathways. But to be honest, there hasn't been that transformation that helps us to know that we've moved from death to life. And if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation in Christ. They are a new creation. I love this fact. You know that God loves new stuff. I love new clothes and new cars and stuff, but God loves, he loves new stuff. He is in the habit. His desire is to create new things in our lives and in our hearts and, and literally to make new creations and get rid of the old and get the new there. And here's, here's an interesting fact. Do you know that all of this is from God? This is what Paul is saying. He's talking to church people. He's saying, look, hey, this is important for you to understand. If anyone is in Christ, they have a relationship with Jesus. They've surrendered their life to Jesus. They're brand new. God has created something brand new in their life. And by the way, this is all from God. This isn't anything that you do. It's you're saved by grace. You, you can't work your way to heaven. You can't work your way into more love. by God. You, you just can't. This is, this is God. This is all God. And he's the one that makes new stuff. God wants to do something new in you in 2022. It's all from God. A couple more things. We read on and Paul says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. This same idea of not counting men's sins against them, but telling them that there can be an opportunity for them to connect with Christ, not just church. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, come to church. No, 
That's not the message that God has given us. Is it a message that we use and is useful? Oh yeah, definitely. No doubt about that. It's important for you to invite your friends to church, but that's not the message that God has given to us. And Paul is telling the church, there's, there's something you're missing. It's not just about inviting people to church. It's about inviting people to Christ. Be reconciled to God. That is our message to the world. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in him. Church is a great place to start. I love all the t-shirts and actually Jim snuck me in the, the back room each time I got here and gave me some free love, shirt, love church shirts. So I have those at home and I appreciate it. Thank you, Jim, for stealing for me. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. But, but I would just say to you, I would just say to you, this is a great church to love, but don't stop there. Don't, don't, don't think that you're in a relationship with Christ because you attend church. This is a scary thing that I've seen in my own life personally, and I've seen as a pastor. I've watched lots of people wonder, wonder, what, what is going on with me? Why, why can't I be the person that, and, and they've confused going to church with being in Christ. And the, the question for, for a lot of us as it relates to our, our students and our young adults is, is, why are so many of them leaving the church? You, why are so many of them leaving Christ? I'm not sure they are. I think they're leaving church. I think maybe because they've been exposed in a lot of times to churchy and stuff where people go to church, but they're not really Christians. And when they get home, they act a certain way and they've given up. They think they've given up on Christ, but really they've only given up on church because, because Christ is, when you have an experience with him, it changes everything. It changes everything. So the question tonight is, are you in Christ or are you just in church? Are you in Christ or are you just in church? I want to ask you something. When is the date that you can reach back and say, not when I first started coming to church or coming to Path Bays, but when is, when is the date that I can reach back on the calendar and say, this is the day that I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I said, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I need to be a new creation. Forgive me for my sins. I repent and I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live according to your will. When did that happen? When I was 21 years old, of age, I was going to Asbury Theological Seminary and I was getting a master's degree in youth ministry and Christian education. While I was at Asbury Theological Seminary with a bunch of professors and a bunch of teachers and a bunch of missionaries and a bunch of preachers, we had these chapels a couple times a week. And I remember near the beginning of the semester, we were having a chapel and a special speaker came in and, and he began to talk. And as I was listening to his message, like this guy, who was he talking to? I mean, he was talking about having a personal relationship with Jesus and that we needed to repent and we needed to find him and live for him. And I'm thinking, what? a good speaker, first of all, a good speaker takes his audience in consideration first. And, and we're, we're all preachers and pastors and missionaries. We're, we're, we're all Christian leaders. Why is, he, why is he talking about the fact that we need to be saved? Oh, this is the dumbest thing ever. He kept talking. He got to the end of his message and he said, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And he said, if you're here today, and remember this audience, a chapel full of hundreds of thousands of pastors and preachers, teachers, missionaries, Christian leaders. If you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, and I'm thinking in my head, I've got my eyes closed. I'm thinking, oh, this is, this is not going to turn out well at all. He said, I want, you to, I want you to just step out from where you are. I want you to come down front and I want you to kneel here and we want to pray for you. 
And as I'm thinking to myself, I, I think he missed it. I start hearing this rustling, and I think, well, these, you know, these people are just as distracted as I am, and people are getting up and leaving. And I open my eyes to see hundreds of Christian leaders finding Christ. I realized I wasn't the only one. I realized that Satan had sold me a lie, and the lie was, you're close enough. You're in church. You're giving tithes. You're singing on the worship team. You're serving outside. You're, you're close enough. I don't know who it is here tonight, but I've been faithful to what I feel like God has put on my heart. That's all I can do. So I'm guessing, based on my life and how God has led me in the past, that somebody's here tonight and you've gotten those two things very confused and you're struggling and you're hurting and you're defeated, not because Christ, Christ can't help you, but because you really haven't ever got to the place where you've accepted him. You can grow up in a church home. You can grow up in the best home and never know Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you to do something tonight. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. All of you, please. I'm not going to invite you to come forward, but I am going to ask you to make some sign of recognizing that, that maybe you understand what I'm talking about. Maybe you're struggling with the same thing that I did when I was younger. And if you're here tonight, First of all, if you're here tonight and you are a Christian, there was a time where you gave your heart to Jesus. But you know that you've been, you've been more of a churchian than a Christian lately. You've given up on some of the things that you know are right. And, and if you were to be honest, this, this, revi- this, this, this is what this week is all about. Revival is sometimes about just being reminded about who we are and what God has done in our lives. And, and maybe that's you tonight. In just a moment, I'm going, to ask you to, I'm, I'm going to ask you to stand just right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I'm, I want to pray for you. If that's you, in just a moment, you need to stir that back up. You need to allow Christ to, to regain priority in your life. Well, maybe you're here, and you're like me. You grew up in church your whole life. Or maybe you're brand new to this church thing, and you love it, and Pathways, man, I... I can't tell you how excited I am when Brent gives me a call and says, hey, would you come up? I love you guys so much. But maybe, maybe you're just in church tonight and not in Christ. And you would say, you know what? I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to allow him into my life. I want him to forgive me for my sins, and I want to live a life that will be honoring to him, full of his power and full of his strength, being guided by his spirit each and every day, whether you're 16 or whether you're 60. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing in just a minute and stand up. I'm going to make it real simple. I'm not going to invite you forward, but I am going to ask you to stand right where you are. And here's what we're going to do. On the count of three, I want you to do it. If God is speaking to your heart and you know that, you know that you're not in Christ or you've, you, you've, you've headed the other direction and you're not where you, you should be, this is what revival is for. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. 
Father, I pray right now for these that are standing, for those that are in Christ and yet in moving in the wrong direction or making some choices that they know are not honoring to you. I pray that you would help them and forgive them. And I pray in Jesus' name that they would reach out to you. And, and Lord, I, I pray for those that may be standing that have gotten it confused like I did. They think that being in church is the same as being in Christ. And God, you have a plan and you have a purpose and you care about us. You came to die for us. And the Bible is very, very clear that this is about being in Christ. It's not about leaving church. It's not about deprioritizing church, but it's about elevating this decision to live for you. And I pray for these that are standing right now. And I ask in the name of Jesus, the only name under heaven whereby we can be saved, I ask that you would come into their hearts and come into their lives and rescue them and revive them. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' precious and powerful name we pray. So thank you, Phil, for not only sharing that message from your heart, but also being a part of the ministry of Winning at Home. You can see why we love having him as part of the team. And we pray the Lord will continue to bless the work in Tampa Bay. We have three offices there. Tampa is a very large city. So we have three offices people can come to for guidance and help. And Phil gives leadership there. So we appreciate your prayers for him and for us as we continue to seek to make a mark. For the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless your day and thank you for being a part of the Home Run Club.